Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money Show, episode 75. Yes, legit episode. Thank you for everyone who hopped on for our special episode on Sunday with the special guest, Randy Horton, hopped on with us, which was fantastic. But in this show, we're not just going to hit some random topics. We are going to be previewing UFC Vegas 18 Overeem versus Volkov. I am Bob Boss, your favorite garbage man at MMA State of Mind on Twitter. Here with Real Mike, Mike Copenhaver at Don't Cope Just Win, and Mikey Gilman at Mikey Gills. It's Gills with a Z. That is all on Twitter. You can also find all of us on individual hats. We'll start putting more stuff on there. You can follow the show on Twitter at MMA for Money Show. You won't miss any of the things we share, show retweets, all that wonderful, wonderful stuff. Real Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing absolutely amazing, man. Stoked to be here to talk about some more UFC in our lives uh, and hopefully keep that role going from uh, last week's domination. Gills, how's life? Wearing your sunglasses at night, like Corey Hart says. <laughs> uh, you know, just uh, the Orioles made a, made a trade where we, we did something positive. So I'm wearing the orange sunglasses in respect tonight. I'm just happy it's not snowing in my house right now. The East Coast is horrible. Let's go. No, I get that. I get that. <laughs> I, I like I would get more love for that Corey Hart reference, but that was a deep, deep 80s reference. Fine, fine. We're moving on. It's fine. I'll move yeah, on. It's okay. Right. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Literally, the only reason I know that is not the song, is because I've been watching that uh, Hulu original, Future Man. Mm-hmm. And there's an entire sequence where they're obsessed with Corey Hart for some unbeknownst reason to me. But beyond all that, yeah, BMX I thought you film, might have said Kerry Hart. I think he was like a BMX guy or something. I can't remember. No, I was going, Corey Hart is the guy that did the song, I Wear My Sunglasses <laughs> at Night. So sure. I can, so I can deny <laughs> the MMA for Money <laughs> show is here live. On Haps, if you're watching on there, if you're not, go on Haps. Haps is wonderful. Well, what is Haps? It is a new platform that makes it super easy to simultaneously broadcast to all social media channels. It pops out to our Twitter. It's here on this and being shared to YouTube. Just it hits everything. If you download and subscribe with Haps, you will get 100 free coins just for joining, and you can support our work here or other people. Like other guys within the chat already have channels going. Like I saw. Uh, Vince, aka Beans, Mr. Vince Guzman up there. He has his own channel. We subscribe to that one. He just was subscribed to us. Hi, Jimmy B. How are you doing? Jack Girl's already in here from Kansas City. Hello. Hello. Yasin Moore. I apologize if I did that name wrong from St. Petersburg, man. Thank you for joining and thank you for Sports for the Blind who just subscribed. That is a fantastic name. I'm actually pretty jealous of that one. That's way better than mine. Um, but you could also follow the show and find the show on Twitch, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast Podcasts, just the RSS feed. And as I said before, we're on YouTube. There's full-length shows, little tidbits broken down for very specific things we talk about on the show. Subscribe to Haps, to YouTube. You will never miss a show. 
Like, comment, share. Please spread the word because obviously we want to hit as many people as possible. Our numbers are growing, which we very much appreciate. Thank you, Jake Girl, for that super heart right off the bat. Very much appreciate that. And without too much further ado, we are going to hop into Overeem versus Volkov. That is UFC Vegas 18. Yes, we are back in Vegas. We are away from Fight Island. We're away from guys having mysterious bags and climbing up and scaling <laughs> walls. And then eventually, which news today, said person... Uh, although he's come from the UFC, tested positive on three separate testing occasions for PEDs. So it all nice. kind of makes sense what's probably in the bag. <laughs> so you don't have to worry anymore. It was very likely steroids, which we all kind of assumed. There was a lot of juice in that bag, and I'm not talking high C. But to UFC Vegas 18, this is going to be a little bit out of order because we've had a couple fights jump on. Okay, so I apologize for that if you're trying to follow at home. But first off, we're going to go over Devontae Smith. He's a minus 280 favorite versus Justin James, plus 240. Mikey Gills, if you would, give me your opinion on that fight. All right, let's, uh, let's start off with Justin James, 16 and 6, eight knockouts, five subs. Uh, there's no DraftKings prices out for this unless they put them up in the last eight minutes while I was cleaning <laughs> up my beer earlier off, off the broadcast. Doesn't matter. Anyway, Justin James, uh, really wild, going for the kill style, 11 first round finishes. Also has a very solid wrestling background, made it to the state finals in high school, went on to wrestle in college. And you know, he will use his wrestling when he has to, although in the UFC so far, he's been pretty much bon- bonus hunting for better or worse. Uh, problem with him with that style is he does gas out late a prime example of that is his gavin tucker fight through everything that he had at tucker gassed and got finished going up against Devonte smith 10 and 2 nine knockouts one sub again no DraftKings prices not quite as reckless as james is uses his jabs and kicks pretty well to establish his range what you do see though is he, he can be hit when he throws he overcommits on punches he leaves his chin hanging out there i'm not just talking about the kamal worthy fight either you can see it in each of his last few fights um his thing is though he's fast enough that he usually can get out of trouble but in that worthy fight, did get caught and paid for it. Also, it's pretty decent takedown defense from what we've seen. If you get him up against the cage, they'll throw some elbows at you, and you can take you out that way. As for the pick for me, both guys had their paths. They both have power, killer instincts. Smith has the speed. James has the wrestling and jiu-jitsu. Bit of a toss-up with the styles, but I'm leaning Devontae Smith just because of his speed and getting the first punch. Not exactly confident in that pick. Could be a bit of a coin flip, but leaning Smith. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think that Devontae Smith is more athletic. I think he's going to be obviously have longer reach. He's going to be more deadly in the clinch and stuff like that. But the thing that Jay James does have is just that deadly, vicious power. So in the first round, I think it's going to be uh, super scary for uh, Devontae Smith. But that's also Devontae Smith's best round. So I I really like the under uh, one and a half or if they even give you the lucky two and a half on this one. I think the under on this one could be something that could hit because uh, both these guys are just going to be throwing haymakers and some crazy stuff. they're, you know, they're both really skilled, but they're like, you know, they're not the upper echelon in the UFC where they're uh, doing the best striking defense. And that's going to end up, you know, most likely getting one of these guys knocked out late on the floor. So I think Devontae Smith rolls here. Just quickly, uh, under one and a half for this fight is currently set at minus 155. Fight doesn't go to decision. It's minus 380. Smith inside is minus 155 right at the under, and Jane's inside is plus 325. So they agree on that under at least. Yeah, and actually quickly, I know there's no uh, uh, DraftKings salary. Sorry, fumbling over my words. No DraftKings lines on this one thus far, but if you had to just take a a stab in the dark, what you think they may land at? Mikey Gills, what are you thinking? Like, uh, plus just, or minus a couple hundred, obviously. So, Devontae Smith has finished every win of his career, 10 fights, all finishes. So, if I, what are the odds of the actual fight that plays into it, too? I didn't see him before we started this podcast, but 
my guess is with his finishing ability and the way Justin James fights, probably somewhere 88, 8,900, somewhere mm -hmm. in there. Nice. Okay. Um, quickly before I give my take, I want to quick give a shout out to the people hopping in there. Yes, uh, Yassine, it would be pretty awesome if Dana White ever joined us in here. Although I, I don't appreciate getting sweared at that often, so <laughs> it, it, that might not work. Hey, Ryan Richardson hopping in from Kansas City, Mr. Kick Your Bass. He is here. This is fantastic. Sorry, we love that man. Um, and this is a little off-topic question, so I'll give my take before I hop to Yassine's next question on the other 185 people here already in the live watching. Um, I think Devontae Smith is going to win. I've, I was kind of hoping that uh, Justin James would have a little bit more magic in his last outing. I have not been impressed with him. Um, I've seen more of a late-minute matchup here. I'm going to have to go with the favorite. No, nothing too spectacular there. And I do think he's going to get into a finish under the one and a half. I'm not 100% on the minus one and a half. I do think it's going to happen. That's the hard part. I think it's going to happen in the second round. But obviously, the plus or minus there is going to have me go a little bit either way. So I will pick Devontae Smith. And then just a quick question to you guys. I know we're super early on. Yes, off-topic question. But it's fine. I appreciate it. Uh, from uh, Yassine, uh, for you two guys, we'll we'll go in the same order we did that fight bout. So Mike Gills first and then Real Mike. Who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? Oh, definitely. I'm all in on the uh, Tom Brady revenge train. Um, mm -hmm. I want to. He, the whole thing with him, like the flake gate ruined sports coverage for years. And that was, that was an attack on Brady. I should hate him for everything he's done to my, my team, the Ravens, but I'm all in on his revenge tour. Let's go. Yeah. It's going to be a great Super Bowl. Um, you know, obviously both quarterbacks are, you know, the goat freaking Tom Brady is just unreal. I can't even believe he's uh, back in the Super Bowl, but uh, I'm going to go with the chiefs. I think the defense uh, picked it up quite a bit in the last run. And I think that uh, they're going to give uh, Brady a little bit of troubles. He had some eye in interception troubles in the beginning of the season. I think that could possibly, uh, you know, pay dividends in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I know Ryan Richards is uh, right on board with uh, the chief love and uh, Jack girl is too. If I remember correctly, <laughs> you loving the bucks option there for you, Mike, uh, Mike Gills. And in terms of me, I don't watch stick and ball sports. This is literally most of the sports I know. I watch a little <laughs> bit of hockey and I know weird off brand stuff like the top marathoners within the country, but that doesn't help any, anything for the Super Bowl. So well, Tyree Kill was a sprinter, so try I will, field. I will probably like flip a coin and then maybe do that. I usually also never watch the whole Super Bowl because your favorite garbage man here goes to bed crazy early because I get up crazy early. So I usually go to bed after halftime regardless. So sorry for deflating everyone's hopes and dreams. Back to fighting. <laughs> Someone that I know, uh, that's why I have real Mike going to be going first on this next one. Uh, we have been high on this guy for a while when he was first going into the UFC. He was great odds, fight canceled out, going back in. And he is, it's more of a last minute matchup here. But uh, Timora Valiov is a minus 330 favorite versus Martin Day plus 275. Real Mike, thoughts on Valiov here at this spot? Uh, it's obviously a no brainer. Uh, Valiov, I think, is just going to absolutely dominate Martin. Uh, Martin is, uh, you know, great, he's a decent dude. He comes from Hawaii, you know, so I always love those guys. But he's one of those guys that's going to get himself in trouble in a striking war. And, uh, you know, Valiov's wrestling and his striking is, is really good. So I just think Valiov rolls. Yeah, no, I guess start off with uh, Martin Day here. Eight and five, two knockouts, three subs. Uh, again, with this, with this fight as well, no DraftKings prices yet. Uh, again, I'll knock over another beer, check it out. But he's lost three straight stylistically, you know, more of a kickboxer with that Taekwondo background. Does throw a lot of creative stuff from range. But, you know, when he's inside, he does tend to throw a little heavier. Sometimes it costs him. He can use his wrestling offensively, but it's definitely more of a defensive thing for him, preferring to stand. Getting to our guy, uh, Valiev, 16 and two, five knockouts, two subs. Was upset in his last fight against Trevin Jones, got knocked out in the second. 
Uh, looked like he had that fight won with Jones. He had him up against the cage, and then he kind of just sat there and admired his work for a second and just uh, kind of let him right back into the fight. I think he ended up getting uh, taken down in that round, but uh, he was in, he was winning that fight pretty handily until he got clipped, and then it was declared a no contest due to weed. As always, I do not like cheaters. Um, this fight, <laughs> it feels like about sorry, sorry, feels like a bounce back spot for Valiev. Like aside from like the heightened reach advantage for Day, there's a fluidity in the meshing of the styles that Valiev just seems to have better. Um, you know, the difference for me is really going to come down to that wrestling game. He's just solid all around and can mix it in value by decision. It does seem like the, the easiest call. I could see him play it safe because of the recent knockout loss. But on the other hand, Martin day, he does like getting finished. He's been finished two straight stoppage losses with three straight losses in a row. Uh, we'll see where these two comes out in terms of DraftKings. I'll tweet out my thoughts, but definitely value. No, I'm uh was really high on Valley as he came in, and I think he has a major chance here. This is actually a really odd situation. I was just double checking uh for some prop odds. Obviously, we don't usually give out props, we're just checking some out uh on here. And this doesn't happen very often, but uh if it's open at the books, it's open in five dimes, and I'm not sure where else it is. Currently, as of right now, you have free money. And what I mean by that is both uh Valiev and if you're really on Valiev, which obviously most people are, inside the distance is plus one ten. And by decision, is plus 180. So that's plus money on both sides. Technically, you can put money on both and regardless, end up ahead. So I, I'm not saying do that because I'm not going to do that. But if you have an inkling them either way, both those being dog odds is pretty good. I think he has a, a solid chance for a finish. Um, I would actually like, like to see him with more finishing ability. That's one of the things I would put a damper on him in general. I want to see him be a bigger finisher, and I pick, I'm going to pick him here. Um, obviously, no big surprise. He's a big favorite, but I have some underdogs later on that I actually really like. But quickly, thank you so much. No, no worries if it's off, off topic about Super Bowl you've seen. If you guys want to hear it, by all means, we do this all for you guys. So you want to hear about the Super Bowl. Most people want to hear about the Super Bowl. I'm not the normal person. Most normal yeah. people want to hear about the Super Bowl. The other Ask two guys about- want to hear about the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I was ask us about the Super Bowl, our favorite Saturday morning cartoons, whatever. I don't, yeah, I don't even want to talk fighting. Literally any question we're in there for. <laughs> and uh, big thanks again to uh, Ryan Richardson for the Stay Safe Award. And thank you to Mel M, who is hopping in the chat there from Australia. Thank you so much for that super heart. Really appreciate that. And the high. We got the high, too. Jack Girl throwing one in. Really appreciate you guys and hopping here in the chat. Sorry, misreading yeah. things. My bad. That's on me. <laughs> You'd be surprised that that doesn't happen more frequently given usually the stuff that I'm doing all at once, but that's fine. Uh, next up, we have one. Actually, I do kind of like the dog in this one mainly because, I don't know, someone hasn't quite reached the standard I had put for them. But uh, Yosef Zalal is minus 245 versus Swang Wu Choi. Nailed it. At plus 185. Mikey Gill's thoughts on what I'm seeing as a possible downside for Yosef. Well, my, my initial thought is Swang. I've been saying Sung all day. So Swang Wu Choi, here we go. Uh, eight and three, five knockouts, 7,100 on DraftKings, the former top fighting featherweight champion. Had about as bad or as tough of a start to the UFC as you can ask for. Went 0-2 with losses to Evloev and Gavin Tucker, both monsters. Comes back in, uh, fights Sumar Mokhtarian, gets the uh, unanimous decision. Now he's facing Yusuf Zalah, another really tough guy. Like they must hate him. They must hate this guy. Like I don't know what they have against former top fighting. I'm sorry, top fighting championship or whatever. But you know, I don't know. But you, when you watch this guy fighting, like you, you can't sleep on him. He is, uh, I think, he's a bronze medalist and world Muay Thai champions. Like this guy, there's a reason you see people trying to take this guy down. So with that in mind, head over to Yusuf Zalah real quick. Ten and two. I'm sorry, ten and three. Two knockouts, five subs, going for 9,100 on DraftKings. Also really good at striking. Constantly moves from side to side. Can throw literally anything on the feet. Kicks, elbows, clinch, whatever he needs to do. 
Uh, but what I think he has in this fight is just a distinct advantage on the ground. I think that's where he should be uh, aiming to take this. You know, Choi never had a submission win in his entire career. He's shown that he can be taken down and dominated. My worry for this fight with Zalal is that, you know, short notice for him. And he just has like a little bit too much of that Julian Lane in him. You know what I'm talking about? Like he's kind of like the factory X. He's a factory X guy. Like as much as I do like that camp, they do tend to get drawn into wars when they don't have to. I was your camp of the year, man. I know, I know, but I, that's why I, I, I had, I, as I was saying that, like, oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta set this out. But like, if he can get drawn into a pure striking match, Choi could maybe take this. But Zalal by decision, submission, that seems likely to me. But again, Choi with his striking pedigree for seventy one hundred on DraftKings, I like him better than the other guys. We'll get to that later. But in that price range, I like Choi the best. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Choi is the, the 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 spot to bet here. I think the underdog is the the side for anyone to be betting. I think that Choi is a little underrated. I think he, his last two, his two fights versus Gavin Tucker and Evilov are versus two very very well rounded uh, mixed martial artists. Uh, I think believe uh, Gavin Tucker's a black belt for sure. I'm not sure about Evilov, but I know uh, his ground game is up there. So I mean, I, you can't really hate on Choi getting dumped on his ass and controlled and beat up by two guys that are really great at wrestling and jujitsu. Uh, this is the a matchup more favorable to him, in my opinion. Uh, Zalal, I've been I've been high at him a couple times. I bet him in a few spots here on the MMA for Money show and cashed those both times. But both times, even I, at least one of those times, I was a little eer- eerie and iffy uh, if he was going to get the job done. And if uh, we go to a split, it was going to be hairy. Um, if on short notice, man, I, he's not the guy that I trust uh, on short notice. I think that uh, Troy, my, uh, his get-up game is good enough now where he could possibly uh, – hurt Zalal. I'm going to agree there. I'm saying I, I, uh, I gave my, I'm terrible at poker. I basically gave my hands before I, my hand out before I even passed to anybody else. But yes, I'm very much, uh, there, on the Choi train choo choo. Nah, that, that quite didn't quite work. Um, um, I think this is by far the, yes, he's been taken down. This is by far the worst wrestler he's fought for. Obviously I'm not saying uh, Yusuf Salal is a wrestler. I'm just saying that he's nowhere near the caliber of guys that he has fought previously and lost to. And I mean, I think this guy has a bit of a cannon on him. I think uh, he's going to put some serious hurting on Yusuf Salal, who doesn't do it as well when he's being hit with solid straight shots. And I think that can happen here in a major way. Uh, this isn't a pick for the show. And I'm keeping my eye on it, but I'm I'm definitely putting down feelers of uh, putting a bet on this one. This will probably be on a personal one. So again, another reason we give out the Twitter accounts earlier on is that everybody can follow those. And sometimes we have additional bets, personal bets that don't apply to the show, but are on our personal side. So if you ever want more action, follow uh, me and Real Mike on Twitter. Those go out that way. And obviously the DraftKings size is Mikey Gills. If you haven't gotten that yet for our new followers we have in there, he's our, Mike, our DraftKings guy for obvious reasons because I just... It's, it's trickery and witchcraft to me. So <laughs> uh, moving on, we have Carol Rosa, who's my 200 favorite versus Jocelyn Edwards plus 170. Real Mike, thoughts on Rosa versus Edwards? Oh, you know, just one of those wonderful women's MMA matches, <laughs> just up, just the best top shelf, you know, you know, pro fighting, you know, I just, it's crazy. You know, I, what do you say about it? You know, Carol Rosa. She's got some decent jujitsu, and uh, Edwards, she's got some. She got better striking than Rosa. So whoever implements their game plan is going to win here. I don't sound like no damn genius. So I mean, I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, man. I, I just I don't like Rosa at that money. I don't think she's the side um, to bet on, on it because of that. It's just too too much, man. So I'm going to go with the the underdog uh, Edwards here. I think that uh, her striking is better. 
All right. So getting back to the DraftKings thing, one reason that I love DraftKings is because I agree with you. I would not be excited for this fight otherwise, but <laughs> I, it forces me to look into these fights and say, and think like, Oh, okay, this is what I actually need. And this is one of those fights that has things that I really like. Start off with Jocelyn Edwards, 10 and two, five knockouts, three subs going for 7,500 on DraftKings has a three inch height and reach advantage going into this fight. She won her UFC debut against Yunnan Wu. Looked good against a solid opponent. She had some really good scrambles, killer instinct and all that stylistically, you know, powerful hand. She's been boxing for most of her life. Started when she was 13. She also has a purple belt in jiu-jitsu to go with it. She can stay out of trouble. Her only submission loss is over five years ago in her second ever MMA fight. Going up against Carol Rosa, 13-3, and three, four knockouts, two subs, 8,700 on DraftKings. She's won her last four straight, 2-0 and in the UFC. Very high-volume striker. Likes to keep the pressure on her opponents. If you look back at her last fight against Vanessa Mello, through 289 strikes, and her fight against, uh, God, I can't remember the girl's name, uh, I, I'm sorry, I didn't write down the name, but the one before that, 358 strikes, landed 177 against each of them. Like those types of numbers really add up on DraftKings. But for me, this it does seem like a good spot for Rosa. She's given up some size and reach, but I think that her style can make up for that. And for her to get the way she's going to win is a decision. And for DraftKings, her output can put her over 100 points for a win. So $8,700 isn't too bad of a price for that. On the other side with Edwards, this fight for her is actually not bad. The fight screams high volume four to me. So it's like two girls who are going to spend 15 minutes straight punching each other in the face around the cage. High enough volume for each of them. Even in a loss for a very low price, you could have a high floor for uh, Edward. But the pick for me is Rosa for the win. And this is when stuff like DraftKings and betting are different. And this is not in a, in a bad way. It's just like in terms of betting, this goes to like one of our old standards that – I say fairly frequently, I know me and Mike say fairly frequently, real Mike, that is, that pretty much anything outside of the top in female MMA, especially uh, in this particular weight class, anything out weight class, apologies, outside the top like seven or eight, you could pretty much blindly bet the dogs and you're going to end up ahead. And this is, but this is just another one of those spots. It's like it's who has more name recognition, who people see have competed in the UFC more. And I mean, it wasn't a fantastic outing, but she looked really good. Uh, the Jocelyn Edwards, that is, looked really good in her outing, playing spoiler to Yan and Wu, and has beaten past uh, UFC people before uh, when she beat Pearl Gonzalez. I'm not saying Pearl Gonzalez is utterly fantastic, but she is a solid test and put her out pretty well. Um, Rosa, I don't think deserves to be such a heavy favorite this is a much closer fight in my opinion and that why that's why i typically lean the dog in most of these spots because most of these fights are 29 28 in either direction it's usually not a complete blowout and you you're, i would hate to put money on a minus 200 favorite that there's a good chance that once it goes to the scorecards i'm gonna be nervous right. um whereas uh for mikey gills it's like the the strikes add up the takedowns add up oh, yeah it's a completely different thing. And again, one of the reasons I'm good at one and not so much the other, but I'm going to do, do my go-to formula here for these fights, as well as lower level heavyweight fights and just go with the underdog. And Jocelyn Edwards surprised me with how well she did in her first UFC outing. You would think, you know, bright lights type deal would throw her off. I thought that was on the ABC one card and she's turned around here. And I don't know. I, don't know, I, I think she's got something going for her. So I'm going to go with Edwards there and move on to the next fight. O'Day Osborne. Oh, damn. sorry. I just, I, I'm a fan of that name. Uh, plus 150 versus uh, Dennis. I'm saying Dennis, even though I want to say Denise or Denies because that's how it's spelled D E N Y S. But Dennis Bondar minus 170. Mikey Gills thought on O'Day 
versus Bondar. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, I have a, a, an Orioles Darren O'Day shirt upstairs that says O'Day, O'Day, O'Day on it. So if he wins, <laughs> I'm coming back down with that next week. But anyway, O'Day Osborne, eight and three, two knockouts, five subs, 7,800 on DraftKings. Uh, lost his UFC debut back in January to Brian Kelleher. Got submitted so bad that he had to tap out with his foot. Gotta love that. Uh, worth noting that two of his three career losses are by submission, so it kind of makes his own five submission wins look a little less credible. Like if you're if you're a guy who's submitting people, but you're also getting submitted a lot, I don't like that. Um, but you watch him fight Southpaw, kind of wild striking. He throws a lot of things that get the crowd like you know going ooh, but it's kind of ineffective when you look at it in terms of translating to pure power. Uh, beyond that, takedown suspects a little or take takedown defense rather is a little suspect. Like you can see in his losses when he's pressured backwards, he doesn't really fight him off very well. Going up against Den Weiss Bondar. Um, Bone saw, as uh, you know, Millhouse would say. 14 and 2, five knockouts, nine subs, 8,400 on DraftKings, making his UFC debut. He won his last eight straight. Uh, hasn't exactly been fighting the best of the best. If you look at his opponent's records, you guys know I like to go through and check all that out, but you know, my rule stays the same. If you are just buzzsawing bad competition, I do not hide it or hold it against you. Um, you watch him fight, his stand up is basically designed to serve as grappling. Uh, he's defensively sound, doesn't put him in too much trouble. As for this fight, I just think Osborne's striking style plays perfectly into what Bonder does. Osborne, you know, he's aggressive enough on the feet, going to come forward. Bonder can get him down to the ground. He's not even scared to pull guard. He's, he can fight out of bad positions. Very slippery. You can watch his fight from last year against Q and Jocks. Uh, he, you know, he'll accept the bad position just to work from. And he's done it in multiple fights before that. I don't think Osborne has the power to keep Bonder away. And I, I just I don't think Bond, once they hit the floor I can see this ending early basically is the best way I can put it for eighty four hundred dollars I think he's Bondar is a really solid play on DraftKings just a consistent fighter with a clear path to victory I love him Bondar yeah uh, I, I believe Bondar is going to absolutely roll here he's going to be able to take uh, Osborne down quite easily and, and put him on his back and put him into a submission I think uh, very quickly I don't think that uh, Osborne has the uh, defensive takedown game to even be here and so I think that uh, this is just a quite easy pick here so I'm going to go with uh, Bondar to submit him I didn't know we were all going to be agreeing on this one but I would agree there I actually think that he could stand to be a bigger favorite here this is kind of it's still a little bit too steep to bet uh, in my opinion but he could easily have a decent amount of value at minus 200 um but obviously guys this early on in the ufc i tend to stay away from in terms of a bet if he's a little bit lower i might actually have to pull the trigger but i kind of have a go-to of like you need at least like three to four fights in the ufc so i know 100 where you're at and then i can be more confident but uh I'll just repeat what everybody else said here. Um, uh, Bonder for the win. Uh, I actually think he can get a late sub. I'm going to say the third round sub. I think he can pull one off um, for over a tired Osborne late. But next up, we have an exciting fight. Not, not an exciting fight as much as like... Normally, this would be the sad fight of the night. If you've watched previous shows of us, it could it could go that way, but I don't, I don't think it's going to. It's going to be just entertaining enough that it won't hit there. And sad fight of the night is typically reserved for one aging fighter that's pretty much put out there on like hung up by strings to just keep them level while they get pummeled. And I don't think it's just <laughs> going to happen here. So yes, that was a very mean way to introduce this fight, but I'm going to make up for it when it's my turn. I promise. Michael gotcha. Johnson is a minus two twenty favorite. That's right. The menace first clay, the carpenter Guida plus one eighty. real Mike thoughts on clay. His brother won't be there slapping him, but he's me fighting. <laughs> Yeah, um, this one, man, it seems so easy to me that Bobby Green should win this fight. I, I mean, I know you can't trust Bobby Michael Green. Johnson. 
Michael Johnson. Sorry, I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> Michael Johnson. Uh, my Michael Johnson and Bobby Green remind me of so much of each other. Well, that was, um, no, that was the uh, click with his last fight was against Bobby Green. So it, yeah, that's why it's, right. really it's totally idiot. Um, either way, Michael <laughs> Michael Johnson. Uh, this is dude. This is like tailor made set up for his striking. He has got really good striking, man. I, I don't know why where he's fell off, you know, so long ago, and what he does, or how much coke he does, or how much marijuana, or whatever he's doing to make his career so shitty. But he really, really has good striking and some power behind it uh clay guida obviously the carpenter we love him he's given us some of the best fights uh roger horta versus clay guida was on my brother's ultimate fighter finale uh show it was absolutely amazing and my brother won fight of the night over that fight so just to show you how good my brother's fight and that fight was in general but either way guida he's wrestling obviously is, is to me is what he's really gotten scrambling but that's old school like that's not like that's it you know you know let's stand there and bang and and you know julian lane you know let me bang bro it's no it's not we're, that's not it we're not doing that carpenter it's not happening anymore michael johnson has the better striking he should be able to land that left hand and put clay guida down if he doesn't he needs to quit and retire immediately all right so real quick uh michael johnson 8800 on uh DraftKings. clay guida 74 i have to get something out of the way before i give any pick on this fight the roxanne Modafari rule is in effect here i hate clay guida always have he's among my least favorite fighters in the history of the sport i have never been swayed by his bouncing around fake fun pretending to fight style like i've never been entertained by like him holding people against the cage like i recognize that he's a highly skilled guy I, like i get it his gas tank's great i just don't like him like yeah he's had fun fights almost always because of the other guy <sighs> rant over anyway on the other side michael johnson a fighter who i do like i kind of wish he was better than he was fast hands big power he has the ability to put pretty much anyone away when he hits them oftentimes finds himself in firefights or otherwise bad positions. He can lose to a superior grappler. Like I wish I didn't have the lean that I have in this fight. Like, you know, gun to my head. I, I, I actually did the gun to my head, hand, uh, my head, like hand thing. I actually hate myself a little bit for being on camera doing that. Anyway, uh, gun to my head. Like I think like weed is just a bit of a nightmare for Johnson. Like he's a fighter can stay out of, out of how can I say this? Like, he can utilize his movement to avoid getting hit long enough to get inside and get a hold of Michael Johnson and then hold him against the cage. And I mean that he's just going to hold him against the cage, but you know, Michael Johnson, he needs space. He needs openings to let his strike go. You know, he's not half the fighter that he is when he's on his back foot, trying to avoid that. Michael Johnson, dangerous fighter. Clay Guida is a boring one. I've seen these fights play out a thousand times. I hate to say it. Clay Guida by decision for DraftKings. Too much risk for me to put Michael Johnson to land that knockout blow at 8,800. Clay Guida at 74, more appealing if there weren't other potential like underdog KOs around that same price range. I hate playing Clay Guida. I hate watching him. I'm not going to put him in my lineup, but I do think he's going to win a decision. So I actually didn't know I was going to have anyone echoing my sentiments here, at least to a degree, but Michael Johnson is going to win the first round. He's going <laughs> to look really really good in that first round man he is just he is going to throw some power shots and if i will say at one point clay guida's chin is going to be gone so if he can handle those shots if he can take those shots in that first round where michael johnson looks awesome maybe borderline 10 8 but can keep it going michael like i, I completely agree thank you for subscribing hammerstrand there she's people have way better names than me i'm gonna start writing these down and start stealing them um <laughs> It's just, I'm, I'm with Mikey Gills. Like, Michael Johnson could have been such an amazing fighter. And he should be. He has yeah. everything. He has one of the fastest jabs you've ever seen. He 
can move laterally when he needs to. He actually has really good wrestling. That's his base. He's been training at a big camp for a long time. He has everything other than the fact that, one, he can get lured into a brawl, which mm-hmm. does not aid him very well because when he does, when he fights intelligently, he's amazing. When he doesn't fight intelligently, he's not so amazing. And he f- loses fights because of that. He gave away fights to people because of that. He also someone who likes to do something we call the insta-tap, where the moment things are remotely <laughs> tight on him, he taps. He's been doing that since he fought James Krause in a regional fight in 2008. The dude is an instant-tapper. And I'm with you with the fact that he is going to absolutely win that first round. He's going to look fantastic that first round. And then the second round is going to be a little bit closer. Clay Guida, like as much as you say about like all of his ridiculous movements, and it's true, <laughs> for whatever reason, the judges think it is like a new secret type of fighting. Like it's um, yeah. uh, Jackie Chan and the Drunken Master just going yep. out there and throwing the perfect strikes that they don't see coming. And I would not be surprised if Clay Guida gets the decision here. And I wouldn't even be surprised if he possibly gets a third round sub in this one. I'm not going to go that far with it, but sorry, plus 185. Like, you cannot trust absolutely not trust Michael Johnson. I would never lay this much money on Michael Johnson ever. It, he never, never, ever. It's so frustrating. It's just, he's that type of fighter. Cause at least um, slowly um, Bobby Green will give away fights, but at least he's still doing stuff. Whereas Michael Johnson, like you can see him getting more frustrated and becoming wilder and wilder and not pulling it off and not pulling it off. It's just frustrating. So this is another one of those ones that I'm on the edge with a personal bet. That's not going to be a bet for the show, mainly because I think people are going to start uh, parlaying Michael Johnson as time goes up. And I might even be able to get a higher number in click. We pretty much he breaks, breaks plus 200. It's, it's an auto bet um, for sure. So I, I like quickly in the spot and honestly, I didn't, I thought I was gonna be alone. So, you can see this is the great wonderful surprise stuff the fact that we don't talk about any of this ahead of time and then you get nice little little yeah. serendipity right now you guys don't know i'm fueled by hatred it's like i had i picked roxanne matafari in her last fight too so it's just mm. this crazy thing i might be biased in the wrong direction I don't a, hey man crystal lake illinois rise up sorry that was that was a, that was a clay guida reference for not so much of a deep cut he has a gym there in crystal lake illinois <laughs> Going beyond. Sorry, too he's much. a citizen of the world. He lives in a camper, so he he does. He he very <laughs> much does. That's not that's not even remotely made up, which is kind of sad. Um, man, I'm sorry. I I had a mini exhale because of the next fight. So sorry, we'll get there. Uh, Mike Rodriguez is minus two thirty five versus Danilo Marquez plus one ninety five. Mikey Gill's thoughts on slow Rodriguez versus mm. Marquez. Man, I'll start off with a uh, slow Mike Rodriguez, 11 and 5, nine knockouts, two subs, 9,000 on DraftKings. I'm, I'm smiling. You guys know why. Lost to Ed Herman in his last fight. Big, <laughs> big underdog hit for us on DraftKings. Just raise your hand if you're the one who called Ed Herman winning by veteran move submission late in fight. Exactly what I said. Not exactly. died for a round and a half. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. That's like 100 points yeah. of death. I'll take yeah, it. I get you. I get you. I get you. Anyway, so Mike Rodriguez in this fight, things that, things that you can like about him. He's a finisher, finished all of his 11 wins, almost all of them in the first round. For DraftKings purposes, that is as good as it gets. Going up against Danilo Marquez, 10-2, and two, four knockouts, four subs, 7,200 on DraftKings. We've talked about this guy before. So right away, not very good. He has faced extremely subpar competition. Excluding the losses during this stretch, his last wins leading into the UFC were against 5-4-1, 0-16, 5-4-1, 0-16, 5-4-1, 0-16, 5-4-1, 0-16, 5-4-1, 0-16, 5-4-1, 0-16, 5-4-1, 0-16
five and nine and zero oh and three, and then a bunch of other guys without public records. He then comes into the UFC, faces Kadisa Bragamov, and becomes the fourth straight person to beat a Bragamov when he's being tested for drugs. Anyway, throwing that one out there. Who wins? The pick is Mike Rodriguez. I do have to give you my worry, though, is that Marquez, he can grapple. He's a Cordero black belt, currently trains under Damian Maya. That is his one path to victory. And as we saw with my boy, Ed Herman, Mike Rodriguez can end up in a bad position and get subbed. But I think the strike in Rodriguez will be the difference in this fight. Marquez is a fraud, can crush his whole career. Rodriguez, um, for what was his price, 9000 you could do a lot worse. Yeah, I think that... Um... Mike Rodriguez is the is the play here. I think that he's just longer, more athletic, his reach, he's explosive, he's got power. Um, I think that he can, you know, put this guy down on the floor and, and end his night. But like you said, the other guy's a black belt and really well versed. If he gives him any chance to put him, you know, his hooks in and get his back and take his, you know, his neck, you know, it's over. But I'm gonna I'm I really think that Mike Rodriguez is set to roll here. Marquez has been can crushing, like you said. If you go back to even his last wins. Their decisions and they're not versus guys as deadly as uh rodriguez so I'm, i really think that mike rodriguez can uh, roll here with uh, some knees and or some elbows man i was trying to find some value because like, yeah i'm not gonna spend i'm not gonna put this much money on mike rodriguez he should absolutely win he should but then we said against said that against ed herman but <laughs> well at least us two did i Big, yeah, big shout out to me. Like, what did you guys say? It's, 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 so, it's so rough. But I was trying to find maybe some props there for you. But I mean, he, he <laughs> should win in inside the distance. But that that's super blown up money wise. I mean, unless you have a particular round you're feeling squirrely about, it, it's not happening. So I, I do think that um, Rodriguez is going to get the finish. Obviously, if he doesn't get the finish inside that first like round and a half, it's going to look pretty rough. So I mean, if you're feeling a particular type of way on Marquez in the second round, late second into third round, go for it. But I'm just, Mike Rodriguez should win, but he, he frustrates me because he's another one of those guys that like, he should be better. He shouldn't fall for traps. And this is not even the Ed Herman thing. It's like, he has fumbled when you're like, dude, you're, you're so good. And then you're not, he's very frustrating to me. So if you can't tell by the much trepidation, going on in my voice currently it, it is a bit, it's a bit rough i'm not gonna lie it's 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 a bit rough but it's okay we got we got plenty of better fights to hit um not the next one but later <laughs> <laughs> sorry that that was me i apologize yeah. next up uh molly mccann is fighting again and she's another decent size favorite i mean not as big as she has but she's minus 160 versus lara procopia plus 140 Real Mike, I thoughts on the Liverpool native meatball Molly McCann. Well, Jesus, we're just blessed with the amazing <laughs> matches. All huh? these women's MMA matches are just absolutely incredible. They're going to be just just slobber knockers, you know. There's definitely a time where you go get your beer, go check the barbecue, and go check other things. Uh, Molly McCann, I mean, what do you say? She, she named herself a meatball. I, I didn't have to say any much more, you know. That, that's She's big round into a blob so the other girl though uh you know she's she's a lot better than uh people i might know her striking is a little bit straighter than molly mccann molly mccann throws looping punches and the other uh, the other chick uh throws uh more straight punches and i think that the laura prop, prop i can't even say her last name prop Copio. Copio. I think that Laura's, uh, her striking is a little bit crisper than Molly McCann, and that's where Molly McCann kind of shines. So, and she's also a black belt in uh, jiu jitsu, I believe. Uh, yep. 
And so Laura is is kind of I think she has the chance here. I think that this is the the play here. I think the dog money on her is a is a gift. I think if she goes down the ground, she she could submit Molly McCann because some of these girls' jujitsu is is not up there. Um, and then to, on the feet, I think she can hand, handle her own. So I think this is actually a good spot to bet. There you go. Yeah, I'd I'd second that mainly because I don't trust Molly McCann ever. Um, she. I don't think ever really deserves to be a favorite, especially when there is an avenue for someone to beat her. And she likes to put herself in the positions to lose. So if it's closer and someone has talent, they could beat her. So again, this goes to my previously stated rule of anyone outside the top, like seven or eight in WMMA, go with the dog. Hey, Procopio's a dog. There you go. That's wonderful. Well, hello. uh, Go go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say one thing, adding on to that thing about Procopio is we just talked about Carol Rosa being like a really busy fighter earlier on in the show. Mm-hmm. Like that's also very true for Procopio. She threw almost 300 strikes in that fight herself fought to that split decision against Rosa. Mm-hmm. Like the, the problem for Procopio is she's like, she's just very hittable. Like you can yeah. see in that Rosa fight, she's very basic in her movement. She takes a lot of punches on her way and she throws. But in this fight, she has a five inch reach advantage to go with that volume. Like Mike said, she's also the black belt on the ground. So if we're looking just at DraftKings for this, Procopio is 7,700. Like that's, that's good dog value on DraftKings, especially hey, for that style. What, what were you saying, Mike? No, I just have to, you know, if you guys get a chance, go to the UFC website if you're not watching live and look at the picture of these two strapping young women and tell me that you're not <laughs> super excited for these little Shrek-looking bitches. Well, I, I am excited about these Shrek-looking bitches because if we're very similar to the uh, the Edwards fight earlier, like this fight, if this goes the distance, we're looking at high enough volume from both of these that even in a loss, you're looking at 60-plus points, like a good foreplay. But if Laura can get this win, I mean, we could easily be looking at another 100-plus point total. For $7,700, I really like Procopio, and I wanna, I'm going to be playing a lot of her this weekend. Yeah, she's winning, bro. You think? She's I, definitely I like got a chance, especially against Molly McCann. That's sorry. She's against Molly McCann. That, that's a big thing. Quick <laughs> shout out. Hello. Thank you for the award. And thank you to, and hello, sorry, to Erica Gaburil. Again, apologize if I butchered that. You can type out spellings. I'm more than willing to learn how to say names. Not always the best. Again, I've learned that I am fantastic at saying fighters' names once they've performed in the UFC because I just kind of memorize what the announcers say. But beyond that, not as much. But we're moving on to it. Like, I want to say it's a good fight. Well, it was a good fight. And now I don't even know what kind of fight it is because I couldn't find the appropriate amount of information on the person he's <laughs> fighting. But Cody Stamen is minus 380 versus Asker. Asker plus 315. No, that's Asker Asker. Not Asker Askarov. Asker Asker. Mikey Gills. So um, <laughs> I texted both of you earlier today saying, I think the exact quote was, I can't find any tape on this Asker Asker guy, what you guys got. And I think all of us were kind of at a loss for it. Uh, what I can tell you about him is 11 and one, three knockouts, three subs. And he, he's been fighting in LFA. He's been headlining events there. He does actually seem legit from the very short clips that I've seen of him. And he's beaten, you know, decent enough guys outside of the UFC. I mean, as for Stammen though, 19, three, one, six knockouts, Two subs. He's ninety two hundred on DraftKings now. I don't know if that's going to change. It usually doesn't once they're once those prices are posted. But I mean, this guy, we 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 all know what Cody Stammen is. Really solid all around. College wrestler. He's got a blue belt to go with that in the ground. Like he gave Aljamain Sterling all he could handle on the ground before he got submitted. He's taken out Brian Kelleher, Brian Caraway, Perez. Like this guy's no joke. And his hands are cursed. He's been boxing his whole life, so he's like an all around fighter. I, I based on that, I would pick him against Asker Asker, but. 
honestly, at this moment, I can't give you like a definite, yeah, he's definitely going to win. So I can't recommend him at 9,200. I just don't know enough. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Cody Stamen uh, trains with Gustavo Lopez, huge uh, you know, fan of his over here on the MMA for Money show. He's been on our show two times, uh, so he's getting some good rounds in with Gustavo Lopez uh, and Joe Benavides and and the likes. And so I, I just really think that St- obviously Stamen, he, he should win here. He better win here. He's got everything, everything to offer. Uh, he's and he's been here longer than the other guy. So it's just, not, it's not, it's just obvious to me. I'm gonna pick uh, Cody Stamen to win, uh, most likely a three round decision. But uh, he could also possibly finish it because this, these these newcomers get deer in headlights, and uh, it's just it changes. So, but Stamen should roll. I completely agree. Um, the only thing I was trying to look at maybe is because I was really liking Stamen by decision in the original matchup that he had, um, because it t- tends to be the way that he wins, especially if he's just trying to be on the safe side. And I think he's he might get a finish here. Only like, I'm sorry, I don't I just don't have enough on Asker Asker. This is a little bit ridiculous like not in a mean way just like i was trying to find some fights on him i'm sorry i don't want to go through the entire lfa catalog especially because this fight was made like three hours before the show but i like statement here in a major way it's wide decision possibly uh a finish here's hoping he does get a finish it'll make him look better going forward in future matchups but it's okay it's a guy i don't know if you guys know this but but it it is okay and i want to explain to you why it's okay we have an amazing matchup an amazing fight next I mean, this is probably one of if not the fight i'm most excited about on this entire fight card for ufc vegas 18 alexandra pantoja minus 130 versus manel cop cape again need to work on those um real mike <laughs> thoughts on pantoja versus manel i'm gonna go with manel because i'm more confident with my manel if you know what i mean uh, I, I think the Pantoja's uh, ground game is just absolutely incredible, man. If you go back and look at some of the scrambles that he does and uh, just the incredible back takes that he takes, I believe it was Askar Askarov. I, I believe it was him that he who's literally under. He was literally on the ground. Askar Askarov, I believe, was on top of him or some some other Russian or someone like that. And he literally escapes from the back and takes his uh, takes back and ends up uh, basically getting the rear naked uh, choke position. He's just unreal in his scrambles and tra- uh, transition ability on the ground. I, I just there's no way that Cape's going to be able to uh, hang with this level black belt on the ground. He's been submitted once before, and it's just going to it's you know I'm a guy when, once you've tapped or submitted already, you're a tapper for life. So I'm going to go with Pantoja <laughs> to absolutely dominate that ass. All right, uh, so I guess I'll start off on Pantoja going off for uh, 8300 on DraftKings. Like you know, he's, he's faced a lot of great competition. He beat uh, Assassin Baby twice. He's a finisher, 17 of his 22 wins. Stylistically, like you said, submissions off the charts, and that's obviously where he's going to want to take this fight. Going against Manel Cape, fifteen and four, nine knockouts, five subs, another huge finisher, seventy nine hundred on DraftKings, making his UFC debut, coming from Ryzen. Uh, if you've never heard of Manel Cape, think back to when Ian McCall left the UFC. Remember when he got into that fist fight at the weigh-ins and then got his face exploded in the fight? That was Manel Cape. Now you know. Like I said, former uh, bantamweight champ in Ryzen, very aggressive, fast striker, powerful hands. Uh, he's won his last three fights, finishing all of them in the second. Uh, two things. Aside from the ground game, which he's obviously going to be at a disadvantage in this fight, this is going to be his first fight in the cage. So you look at, like, debuts in the UFC, they're always a bit of a question mark. You never really know how someone's going to adjust to it. The cage is a big issue for me, but just watching him fight, he has that power, that speed, his kicks and his punches. I, I just love his style, and especially for DraftKings. This guy, he finishes almost every win of his career. 
I'm going to bet that he can avoid the takedowns and keep it standing. And at some point in this fight, he's going to land on them. And at $7,900, I like Cape, and I'm going to be playing him on DraftKings. I understand there's a lot of risk in that with the ground, but I just believe in his striking. Yeah, you won't see Mikey Gills next week, folks. Go by. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of the best things about our show. In general. Like we said, we don't break anything down ahead of time other than like me and Real Mike trying to make sure that we have at least two bets for you guys. So we try to find at least two spots. If I like one that he likes – and I try to find a secondary one for you guys. So you at least have two, one from each of us, uh, obviously more on Twitter, but at least for the show two, because then, because we've had bad luck of stuff falling out. Hello, Lynn, 0129. Thank you for hopping in. Um, I'm huge here on Pandosia for a couple of reasons. One, um, I don't, uh, Mike Gills, you know this off the top? Who was the last person to finish Manel? Finish, not beat. Uh, finish. Off the top of my head, don't know. Kyoji Horiguchi. Mm-hmm. Do you know who his main training partner is? I do not. Or Gucci, that is. Alexandra Pantoja. Oh. I know, right? <laughs> and uh, Horiguchi beat Manel by submission, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is exactly what Pantoja will be going for. Yes, I, I'm 100% on this. This would be a huge bet for me in the given this matchup. But one thing that I will give Mikey Gills absolutely and one thing I'll give Manel absolutely is dude has some power. That first round, it for me personally, because I'm having money on this one, flat out. My our bet for this fight for for me for this fight is 1.3 units at minus 130 on Pantoja to win. You guys won. That first round is going to be a little hinky until Pantoja can get his hands on him and start his grappling going. He's willing to throw, which makes me a little bit nervous. And Manel can hit hard. I think he can pull it off. I truly think that Pantoja is a great spot here. If it wasn't for that power, that fight ending power of Manel. It would be way more, but that has me reserved enough to make it a safe bet to win you guys one unit. So the bet is minus 130 to win you guys one unit. Mm, very dramatic pause. Sorry, I like to say <laughs> things even though there's going to be dead air because that's just, just, just straight what happens. It's just what happens. Well, this doesn't happen all the time. I actually kind of like it when it does happen, but right now we are doing back-to-back bets for you guys because next up we have... Carlos Diego Ferreira, and he's minus 125 versus Benel Darius plus 105. Mikey Gills, I'm going to give it to you, even though you're not part of the bet, but we need to see every side. And obviously, okay. DraftKings is different, as we've many times mentioned. Uh, I'll, tell you, I'll skip the, the stylistic breakdowns. I'll just, I'll focus this fight just, or my breakdown just in terms of DraftKings, because this is the fight at the turn. These are the 8000 and the $8,200 guys. And I really, they're like, those are the ones where we separate right in the middle of the lineups. And you, if you're putting together a slate, I always like to have one of these. For Ferrero on DraftKings, like when you look at his average scores, he's he's very finished dependent for points. We've talked about other fighters who stay busy enough with their striking to make up for it, but dating all the way back to his first fight with Darius, Ferrero averages under 60 points per decision and under 75 points for decision win. Uh, so I don't think Ferrero is going to finish Darius. So if I'm pressed to choose, I would take Benil Darius at 8,000 here. Because you look at Darius, even in decisions, he tends to be a little bit higher scoring. But I like him to I like him to win this fight overall, regardless. So at eight thousand dollars, there's just there's just more value with Darius between these two. Like I don't think Darius loses this fight, but even in a decision, I see him scoring higher than Ferreira. I add that line into thinking and just thinking that Darius is the more powerful striker, was the better chance for a knockout, and then I'm leaning Darius even more. So this fight's going to be a make or break fight for a lot of slates out there. Eight thousand dollars, Darius. I like him. Let's go. 
Yeah, um, I like CDF here. Uh, third degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, you know, Benil is a black belt himself. So uh, to me, right away, uh, CDF's got better Jiu Jitsu, if better Jiu Jitsu than Daniel, if not equal to. So then we're going to go standing. You know, Darius, you know, he's not bad standing, but he gets himself in trouble. And like in the close fight, he almost got himself wobbled and knocked out. Uh, his chin is suspect. I, I think that it, it, it's there to be hit. And I think that, you know, him having such good jiu-jitsu gives him more confidence upstanding, and he's not going to have that this time. So my bet for this fight will be CDF uh, because I think his jiu-jitsu is more dominant, and I think that his striking has improved uh, since the last time they fought. Well, what's the odds at right now, Bob? Make sure I got the updated ones. Uh, Ferreira is minus 125. So I'll be putting down 1.25 units on uh, CDF to, uh, to absolutely dominate here. I think that he'll win a decision, though, and uh, it will be a good fight. Yeah, I'm pretty much uh, on that train. Obviously, I think uh, since their first fight, I think Ferreira has improved more, whereas Darius has stayed at approximately the same level, um, other than the fact that his chin has started to go. Um which is hard to say. Like Darius, another one of those guys that I was had the utmost confidence in, but after the the recent finishes and just the streak that Ferreira's on right now, you got to keep back in a winner and keep it on that train until they the train falls off the wheels, basically. So I'm with you on Ferreira there. Um, next up is a fight that we are going to talk about <laughs> <laughs> at least for a little bit now. Uh, Marion yeah. Renault, the gym teacher, plus one seventy five versus Macy Chason, minus two ten. Oh. Real Mike, do you got much on this one? I know I I have like about that much. Uh, you can't see. I'm putting my fingers about three centimeters apart from each other. I'm just like absolutely disgusted with the women's MMA that we're getting for this bout. It's just like it's disgusting, man. So uh, Ch Chason, you know, um, she's gonna absolutely dominate. Um, Marion striking. Marion Renault's wrestling is absolutely atrocious. She couldn't get down a little kid in jiu-jitsu class. It's it's literally some of the worst wrestling you could ever see in the women's division. Uh, Chase on, you know, she ain't, she ain't that great herself, but the fact that she's just so big and she's strong and she should be able to get uh, Marion in the clinch and just slant, send knees into her chest, send knees in her face and just absolutely wreck that mom and send her back to school. All right, so Marion Renault is 43 years old. Macy Chase on is 29. Macy Chasson has a five-inch reach advantage, or a five-inch height advantage, four-inch reach advantage, 14-year age advantage. Renault's lost three straight. Chasson's won four of her last five. Chasson trains out of Fortis. Renault trains out of Rhino. Shout out to WEC. This fight is being put on in the co-main event. So you put all of these things together, and the math, as I'm adding it up, will tell you the UFC is doing just about everything they can to lob a softball to a tough winner. For DraftKings, $8,900 is a lot of money to put on a women's MMA fight. Chason has finished every win of her career, but Renault has never been finished. For the top end, it does feel like a sure thing bet, but it, it, it is. I, I think I think on is going to win. It is a sure thing, and she's been a DraftKings all-star so far, but I just don't like the idea of spending a top dollar on a women's fight where it's most likely going to go to decision because one of those people has never been finished. I'll play Chason on some cards, but I think you can do better at that top end. I don't have a pick huge on this one. I lean a little bit Renault only from the fact that she's experienced and that in the last calendar year, uh, Chase on more recently was making through COVID and then before that was dealing with a fairly serious heart issue, which supposedly she has made it through, but I have no evidence of that because she has not fought. So I do not know if she's going to have the gas for three rounds, thus my lean the other direction. There's, there's no bet on this one for me. So it's just blind pick Renault because of dog odds and MMA and women's MMA fights. Now, next up, we have Corey 
the Sandman Sandhagen. Sandhagen. Minus 440 versus Frankie the Answer Edgar plus 350. Mikey Gills. Go for it. All right, so Corey Sandhagen, 9,400, Frankie Edgar, 6,800. And I, it, it blew my mind to read $6,800 on DraftKings next to Frankie Edgar. Uh, talking about these prices, like you have to ask yourself if you believe Corey Sandhagen is going to be able to put Frankie Edgar away. Like That's the only way a, a $9,400 price tag is going to be worth it. Sandhagen's younger, bigger, longer guy. Technically, you can see him standing up with a lot of the best in the division, holding his own on the ground. He has shown that he can be exploited. We saw what Aljo did to him, sprinted across the cage, took him down instantly, fought him like sort of like that Vince Vaughn breakup movie. He just choked his throat before he even knew he was in a fight. But uh, it, it comes down to whether or not I believe in Frankie at 6,800 just for DraftKings. It's an incredibly low price for someone as skilled as Edgar. We talk on the show about trying to find the best fighters at the lowest fight at the lowest price. Edgar fits that to a T, but with Frankie's style and his past to victory, I just don't see Edgar scoring a lot over three rounds. He's not a huge point scorer in these fights, and he doesn't finish. A, 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 I'm sorry, he's not a, not a huge point scorer in fights that he doesn't finish. I definitely don't think he's going to finish this fight. He's almost 40, slowing down. He's taking a bunch of damage. His last fight, a lot of argument over whether he even won it in the new division. Now he's going against a guy with more physical advantages. In this price range, you're going to be picking between Frankie Edgar and uh, Swang Wu Choi. Got Swang that time. Uh, Choi, I think, has a clearer path to victory. So if you're on the lower end and you're looking for a guy, I would recommend Choi at 7,100 over uh, Edgar at 6,800, as weird as that may sound. Yeah, I mean, uh, this fight, you know, it's it's a little bit home. Uh, Frank Edgar is a huge, uh, we're huge fans over here at the MMA for Money show. Uh, our big boss, uh, MMA for Money Prime, and uh, Frank Edgar's dad were both in, uh, I believe, a cancer unit together before Frankie Edgar's dad passed away. So, I mean, we love Frank Edgar. We uh, rest in peace to your father. Uh, we can't say enough good things about you and your family. Uh, Frank Edgar, uh, American wrestling, uh, that, the epitome of just exactly what you want your you your you know USA wrestler to be. But it's you know just getting a little bit older, so it's just like it, it hurt. It, I want like it's like everything in me wanted to bet it, and then I saw a very interesting video of uh, Corey Sandhagen uh, made his way down to San Diego, and I looked at the video and I happened to notice where he was training, and he was with uh, the arena and my boy, Master Master Barrett Yoshida, one of the best grapplers in all of the world, my brother's coach and sensei, a guy who's taught me almost all my jiu-jitsu and everything I know. Um, so I called up uh, Barrett Yoshida and asked him a couple things about Corey Sandhig and taking a trip down to the arena and seeing uh, what kind of man he is. Uh, instantly, first thing I asked him is I said, uh, how many times did you tap him, Master B? And uh, you know, he laughed and he, of course, said that he, he obviously uh, subbed the kid many times. But uh, that's Master Barrett Yoshida is just absolutely incredible. Um, so I asked him, you know, what he was good at. And he was like, man, he's got a really, really good darsh choke and really, really good guillotine. He was submitting guys in here like nobody's business. And so I said, you know, like, the only thing I'm worried about is uh, if Sandhagen's on his back, Master B, uh, you think he's going to be able to get up off of it? And he he had more than enough faith uh, that the size and everything would uh, he be able to roll here. So after all that, I was going to pick, uh, you know, my boy Frankie Edgar because of the experience and the OG factor and all that. But after hearing my boy Master B, you know, one of the best black belts in all of the world, Tell me that uh, Corey Sandhagen's got a sick Darce and a sick guillotine. Uh, there's no way I'm going against my boys at the arena over there in San Diego. Shout out Master Barry Yoshida, best ever. Going to Corey Sandhagen. Big shout out to Frankie Edgar for cashing as a plus 180 underdog last time out versus Pedro Munoz. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, baby. I, 
I don't I don't care if it's a close fight. I don't care if some people score it the other way. My man came back for it one more time. <laughs> Obviously, he's still fighting. He has a new division. Um, I think these odds are crazy steep um, in, in a pretty big way. I'm not necessarily saying Frankie's going to pull it off, but I think it's going to be much closer than the odds indicate. I do think Frankie has the opportunity to take it. This is only a three-round fight. I do think Frankie has the opportunity to take at least one round off of Sanhagen, especially early if he can get to him. Because Sanhagen, if he can't establish distance, he can get taken down and control for the better part of the first round. So I do think that he will ultimately win the decision. But I see it as more of like a 28, 29 to 28 decision for Sanhagen. And we're kind of left with like, really? He was a minus 440 favorite? That's just kind of where I land on. I think Frankie yeah. is still tough enough to be able to handle what Sanhagen's throwing down. I do think he's probably going to get out-volumed uh, in the latter portion of the fight, but that first round I think is going to be all Frankie Edgar, in my opinion. Now, in the main event, I don't have anything on this one as of now in terms of a bet or anything like that because I guess you can't really at this point. I know some people that are very big either way on this one, but Alistair Overeem, Mr. Dutch Chocolate, Mr. Formerly Uberim is plus 158 versus Alexander Volkov minus 180. Real Mike thoughts on Overeem, formerly Uberim versus not Alexander Volkanovsky. Different guy, different weight class. This is the one that had the giant stingray tattoo that he had converted into a samurai. Oh, I know him quite well. He lost me a lot of money versus Derek Lewis uh, with like 12 seconds left and freaking ruined my whole party with about 15 of us there. So I know him very, very well, uh, Mr. Quitshow. And uh, so I, I, you know, this one, uh, his striking is far superior uh, right now. Right now, to me, Volkov's uh, striking is better than Overeem's only because the damage that Overeem's taken on his face. His face has been absolutely brutalized. Um, you know, if he takes a knee to it or if he takes some some damage, it's going to change the whole con- the whole fight. But uh, with that said, Overeem's got a huge ground advantage. If he gets down Volkov and gets on top of him with his, his uh, top control, he's no slouch, man. He could easily submit him and or ground and pound him to hell. Uh, the only problem I have here is just like, I, I just, how hungry is Overeem, you know? I, I, don't, I don't know. Did he give him some extra juice? I wish they did. I wish Uberim was here. Because if it was Uberim, I'm picking Uberim all day. But this one is just weird. Um I'm definitely not picking Volkov after what he did to me. So I'm going with the OG Overeem to, to get him down on the ground and smash him. All right, yeah. Start off with Alistair Overeem, 7,600 on DraftKings. You're uh, wondering if he's hungry. I think he's definitely hungry. He is on his Ray Lewis. This is my last ride. Like, he knows it. This is his last chance. It's 4-1 and one in his last five. His only loss was that contra- controversial last-second KO in a fight that he otherwise dominated. He wasn't even knocked out. He got dropped. Referee stepped in with, like, one second left. Outside of that punch, he's finished four of his five last four of his last five opponents fighting smart, fighting to his strengths, utilizing his ground game to, to, to uh, negate his biggest weakness, which is his chin and his horrible stand-up defense that we talked about. You're talking about his wrestling, like that's that's a key for me on my notes here. Like you could see in his Volkov Blades fight that the Volkov doesn't offer a whole lot from his back. And you know, Reem's not the credential wrestler that Blades is, but from top position, my God, did you guys see that Sakai fight? He is as terrifying as anybody like that's the Kai fight that's exactly how I called that fight happening that he was going to get down and take him out so if he can do that I mean Alistair Overeem is really live in this fight going against Volkov 8600 on DraftKings Bob you are you stole my thunder on the back piece tattoo I had some stuff on that anyway <laughs> uh, I'm a big Ink Master fan sorry 
Um, beat an exhausted Walt Harris in his last fight. Stylistically, this guy on the feet uses his range really well, measures you with his jab, kicks, stalks you around the cage. Doesn't always throw with power, but he has it when he needs it. The key for me with this is he Volkov is a really patient finisher. When he hurts a guy, he can pick his shots, and he will make sure that that, that kill shot's going to land on you. And Overeem, with just that terrible defense that he has, he's going to be really subject to that if he gets touched up at all. So I hate picking Overeem on DraftKings. I challenge you to find a fighter that you're less comfortable with when another man's throwing punches at his chin. But it's the main event. It's five rounds, and five rounds is more chances for scoring. I always try to get one of these two fighters if the price is right for either guy. And honestly, if you want to pick Volkov, I get it. He can stalk Reem around. He's got cardio. He can land. Uh, if He picks the smart shots. He has the power. If you wanted to pick Reem, I get that too. He can strike back, right back with him. He has the ground game that can be a problem, and he's shown recently that he'll do it if he needs to. Neither of these prices outrageous. My lean is Volkov, but I would not be mad at putting Reem in there. Yeah, Mr. Prime himself there, uh, Jason Torrey. Hello there in our chat right now, Mr. Primetime. MMA for Money himself brings up a very solid, big point. K1 over him in Tokyo during his prime of his career and 40-year-old UFC over him in Vegas are two completely different things, and that is 100% true. Um, same difference of... Volka, Bellator Volkov versus UFC Volkov are two completely different people. And dude has started to put on some size. Like I, I think he started feeling a little bit out muscled. He's probably put on a solid 20 to 30 pounds of mostly muscle in the last couple of years here. And I worry that's going to make him a little bit less mobile. Um, one of the hard things about him in that Blades fight is one of the reasons that Blades went for like record amounts of takedowns and got them was because Volkov kept giving but getting back up. Obviously, the shots from Overeem on top are a little bit more. I tend to fall towards Overeem, but I know so much of that is personal bias. So in a pick, I'm going to pick Overeem, but there's no way I'm betting this whatsoever. There's too many on either direction here. And really, the only thing that this goes for me on Overeem is, man, I hate USADA. Like, I hate it so much. Like, I hate it so much. They weren't the golden snitch go, that little bitch. He left all of a sudden, huh? Anybody wants to see how things used to be in the best way ever. If you scroll back on my Twitter, going into every Overeem fight, I do like uh, Uberim memoriam type deal. Man, it's ah oh man, I miss Overeem. I miss Uberim. I miss Uberim, the actual Uberim. That one so, you post over, he's like, Yeah. Oh, dude, I love all of those. <laughs> I, I post them all, like even from the old UFC magazine where he's like holding a gator. Just for no apparent reason, because he's it. That's when he joined uh, Black Zillions down in Florida. Oh, it's awesome. So, <laughs> quick review of the bets before we get into Mike and Gill's DraftKings, and then we'll do sign offs and also some salutes to some friends that we've made here on Haps to spread some of the love. But the review of the bets are we have a bet at minus 130 to win you guys one unit on Pantoja and one to win one unit at minus 125 on Diego Ferreira. Now, Mike and Gill's. Would you please break down for me your DraftKings? All right, yeah, let's, uh, let's start off with our underdog picks this week. We're going to start off with Laura Procopio, $7,700. She's got a five-inch reach advantage, very busy striking against a girl in Molly McCann who – I just don't think that's – I don't. I just don't think she's that good. Like, And this is where upsets happen. McCann's wrestling is going to be negated, in my opinion. Procopio's uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt – uh, even if the, even if the upset doesn't come, the foreplay for this fight is what is what I like to see in an underdog. There's high four minimum, very busy fighter, and I can see Procopio's volume pushing her to the decision win. Next up, sorry guys, Manel Cape, seventy nine hundred. 
I, like the next two picks I have on the DraftKings, I'm turning my phone off during these fights if they go wrong <laughs> for me. But look, it's his debut. He's new to the cage. And yes, he will be at a severe disadvantage if Pantoja gets control of him on the ground. But what he does have is that serious striking that can be a problem for anyone he faces. He's finished all but one win in his career. And I like him to come out and make a statement in his debut. Next up, Benil Darius. God, I can feel you guys just looking at me through the screen. <laughs> Um, $8,000. Seething, seething, seething. <laughs> well, Mike's got that smile on his face right now. Where he's just like, yeah. You, it's right. the I'm going to cut you smile. <laughs> well, I love when Mikey's against me. We win usually. <laughs> uh, $8,000. Very close fight. Someone's got to win. Darius has the power, I think. He's got, you know, d- a very diverse game. The wrestling, just the busier fighter. I think he's at the higher floor. Again, I talk about that a lot on the show, just those high ceiling decisions. And all we really need to do is to win. I know that's it sounds stupid, but very close fight. Next up, Dennis Bondard, 8,400. This is one of those fights where I think the prices should be different. If I was pricing for DraftKings, I would have Bondard priced maybe somewhere in like the 88, 8,900 range. My guess is that this fight being UFC debut, people just aren't as high on Bondard as they maybe should be. He's got that top game that can make O'Day pay once they get down there, and I like him for a finish. Lock him in at 84, call that one a gift. Next up. Alexander Volkov at 8,600. Now, I admittedly, I don't have the strongest lean on this fight, but it's a good idea to pick one of the main event guys for DraftKings, and I'm going to take the one who can control most of the action in this fight. Reem is very patient on the feet, but sometimes that lead to his, that lets his opponents lead the dance, and that's exactly what Volkov needs to do to win this fight. I'm a little worried about the Reem decide, or maybe negating that with his wrestling, you know, sort of like he just did against Sakai, but Volkov's in a really good spot here for a five-round decision or maybe even a finish if he gets if he starts touching up his jaw. So 8,600, there's a lot of, lot of points potential there. Last up, Yusef Zalal, 9,100. Pretty simple here. I'm just hoping that Zalal fights smart and doesn't try to prove a point against Choi. Like if Zalal works his ground game in this fight, it should be smooth sailing to either a dominant decision or a finish on the ground. Uh, Choi can stand and bang with the best of them, but Zalal, much more complete fighter in this. And for that price range, I like his path to victory the best. Go over it one more time. Laura Procopio, 7,700. Manel Cape, 7,900. Benil Dariush, 8,000. Dennis Bondar, 8,400. Alexander Volkov, 8,600. Yusuf Zalal, 9,100. Let's go. Santiago Ponzinibbio. Sorry. It's my my calling phrase now. It's become like it was a joke, and then it would also said that when we say it, numbers jump, and then now it's it's just calming. It's soothing. It's a great way to end the show, which I very much appreciate. But quickly before we do our outros and give some thank yous out there, real Mike, anything to say to the nine hundred and eighty seven people watching live between different platforms right now? No, we just appreciate each and every one of you each and every week. You know, we started from uh, literally the bottom. It's been getting nothing but bigger and bigger since we got started. And uh, all you guys, uh, like I said, we can't appreciate it. We appreciate your support so much. Every like, retweets, uh, subscriber, everything, you know. And uh, like I always say, uh, go put 10% of your your paycheck into some investments, uh, you know, whether it's stocks or crypto. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't have anything right now. I don't know anything about stocks, crypto, GameStop. I got nothing on that front. Uh, just I'm excited just for these fights this weekend. I think this is a really good, entertaining card. I like that you and uh, all three of us are going to be battling. It's me against you guys this week. So again, turning the phone off. But other than that, let's go. But hey, just just know, just know that you and me are together on Guida. So uh, we hold that. We have sure. that together. The dude right, so abides. The dude abides. I'm going to show up behind your window when he wins and we FaceTime Mike. 
Dude, that is quite a drive, but I, I appreciate you willing to make that out. That's like, that's what people don't realize when they watch the show. We got real Mike on one side of the country, me in the center of the country, and then Mike Gill's on the other side of the country. It's just, it's just a wonderful Bob sandwich with some Mike bread, and I'm here for it. Yeah, we pulled it off way better than they did with WrestleMania too, where they did it in New York, Chicago, and LA. Just saying. Exactly. Okay. Well, we will be back next week. We got another pay per view. We're previewing UFC 258 Usman versus Burns. But quickly, I want to thank a few special people on Haps that came up big in our last show and have since followed in here. I want to thank to uh, Vince on there at Vince, aka Beans. He started following us on here, which I really appreciate. Subscribed and has been shooting us up in a major way. Big, big shout out to Lynn. 0129. And as I said, that she just gave us an award. Really appreciate that. And then to uh, Dr. Maria. Quinones or at Dra Quinones. Um, thank you all for all you've done, all the support you've given recently. We will give more shout outs there. And again, to uh, Randy Horton, who helped us out, Randy W. Horton as his tag, who helped us out big on our Sunday special show and has given us some major shout outs. Michael Bathurst and then Mel underscore M8 in there in our comments has given us great shout outs and awards. Appreciate all that stuff. And the, now we're up to a thousand people watching live between all the different platforms. Very much appreciate that. But don't forget to subscribe to us on your platform of choice. Apple Podcasts, if you like the audio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Podcasts, RSS Feed, and on Haps, every one of us, all of us, all of it. Ooh, Papa Prime himself has happened in the show. I didn't see that, man. How are you doing? Uh, remember to subscribe to us on YouTube for both full-length shows and little tidbits that we'll get out to you as the week goes on to just more easily digestible. And I want to express for you to like, comment, and share to all that stuff because it helps spread it to more, more and more people. And with that, let's roll.